0: Welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. I'm your host, Chef Matt, joined by my co-host, Sarah. How you doing, Sarah?
1: I'm doing pretty good. It's the winter rush, but, you
0: Yes, know. yes. Winter break, the week before Christmas, and it's always just like, go, 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 go. I don't know if you're like this, but I can tell you that it's like from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed, I'm it's like I'm consistently doing something. <laughs>
1: yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like...
0: It's, uh, and it's interesting because, you know, I don't know, like the, the hustle and bustle of the holidays and then the holiday gets here. Like, do you ever, how, how do you, um, kind of process, uh, the holiday, like after the holiday, because I know there's a lot of talk and I hear a lot of people talking about it and there's, um, there's conversations going on about like, you know, the fall off of like. We're like, you know, push and push and push and push and get to the holiday. The holiday happens, and then done. Everything's done. Like, do you do you ever kind of feel the, like the kind of the letdown there?
1: Oh yeah, it's like it's really weird because you're putting in all this time and all this effort, and then and like when the holiday gets here, it's like you have all this free time. It's just like it's like almost disassociated in a way. Yeah. And then this year, I'm trying to be feel like a little bit more relaxed with my hustle and bustle with yeah. like holiday prep. But of course there's a million other things to do that aren't holiday related. So this is right. Hustle and anyway.
0: Yeah. It, it kind of, uh, it brings a challenging thing. Like when you try not to do it and then, then something pops up and the next thing you know, you got like three more things on your list. <laughs> um, yes. I, you know, over here in our family, we've done a pretty good job of just like, um, making the day very relaxing. Because it's like the lead up is not (laughs) so it's like the day is very relaxing and there's no like um, there's no need or pressure to do anything. It's like we're going to, you know, we're going to do the things we want to do. We're going to stay in our pajamas. If we want to stay in our pajamas, we're going to watch movies. We're going to eat food. We're going to just be relaxed and be hang out. And so
1: just let it all
0: go. Yep. Pretty much. And, uh, so that's, yeah, that's the kind of, kind of our deal, but you know, I, uh, I really, I'm really excited to talk about this because, uh, I was, I was talking with your dad last night and he was showing me this just absolutely amazing art project you did it, that it was art made by food. And, um, I'll just say it was a, it was a portrait of Marilyn Monroe. Okay. And then I'm going to let you go with it because I, I, there's, there's some really cool things that you did, um, in order to get the color and things that you did not do in order to keep the color and keep it consistent. So I want you to talk about it, tell us everything about it, uh, what the project was, all that and just, just go. Okay. It's
1: quite a story. So (laughs) got time So, to start off the project that we were supposed to be doing was a collage. (laughs) that commented both both on um, beauty standards and abject aspects in society. Now, initially, um, my teacher told me that I could do something with food if I wanted to, but I'd have to be do it in a way that represented collage. Um, but And what is collage? It's a separation of components to inform the viewer on a subject. So I know that I need to have a separation of ingredients um, that had a history to you know, give strength to this portrait. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, I didn't really know that it was going to be like Marilyn Monroe, right? Right. Um, I was just like kind of bouncing all these ideas around in my head. And before we did the actual project itself, we were assigned to research and do a short, short research project on an artist that we had done in the unit leading up to this. Okay. And I picked Mark Bradford um, because he has this specific... Phrase that he used when he describes his pieces, it's politicized bodies. And the verbiage was so specific, and it really made me think like, like I knew a body was political, but I had thought of a body in political terms, and a body can be political for so many reasons. It can be political on um, age, gender, race, body art—all these different things are very political. Right. But how do I like tie together food collage and the idea of politicized bodies? Right. Right. Like right. all these ideas were kind of bouncing around, but what is like the opposite of politicized bodies? That would be, in my mind, classic American beauty. And what do you think of when you think of classic American beauty?
0: Marilyn Monroe, of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what on. do you think of when you think of Marilyn Monroe? Yeah. The Andy yeah. Warhol yeah. silkscreen of Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Diptych.
0: Yep, I like it. But now,
1: how do I use food to tie into this American beauty in politicized bodies? Well, I've been watching that amazing um, Netflix documentary series recently, High on the Hog, mm-hmm. about how a lot of Americana cuisine is based in um, African cuisine and the slave trade. Right. So I decided to paint um, this Marilyn Monroe portrait completely out of sauces and food deconstructions with each component rooted in an aspect of American cuisine that originated from African cuisine and the slave trade.
0: Wow. So, That's intense. So
1: it is. I, was, I couldn't believe my like connection link thingy.
0: Yeah, no, that that's really neat. So I want you to repeat what you just said, because I want to, I want to make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying here.
1: So I decided to paint this Marilyn Monroe portrait okay. in food with food, right. that Americana food, that deconstructed Americana food, right. that was based in the slave trade and okay. African cuisine okay. to tie into this idea um, that, that, um, American beauty standards are based in a lot of prejudice and capitalization.
0: Perfect. That's what I was looking for. That's beautiful. Um, and if he, and if anybody has not seen, um, what the, the show she's talking about on Netflix, um, high on the hog, it is, uh, it's a must watch in my opinion. I, I think that everybody should watch it and it, it really will, um, open your eyes to a lot of things that maybe um, you're not pervy to or you just didn't know. Let's just put it that way. But um, it's really neat. So keep on going. Sorry.
1: So the different ingredients that I chose. So, like, for Marilyn Monroe's hair, I decided to go with a, this is a mouthful, a confited and candied Virginia ham white chocolate mousse. <laughs> it was amazing like the smoky um, and crispy virginia ham with like that yep. sh- like glazed sugar and then the sweet white chocolate like yep. a law florality, very light yep. because you know um virginia ham it's um it was something that was commonly cooked by a lot of slaves that worked in the kitchen right. because it's like kind of this it's a very fancy dish so most people who had it made they didn't make it themselves mm-hmm. so it, like the techniques were kind of perfected a lot by mm-hmm. Slaves, And also while I was doing further research, I found out that the specific Bible passage um, used by most slave owners to justify slavery is titled The Curse of Ham.
0: Oh. Okay, that, that, what you just said right there is, is gold because um, I know that verse and I know what you're talking about. So keep on going.
1: And then for the eyeshadow and the scarf, I went with another mouthful. This was my second favorite um, dish. It was in a honey lemon okra pesto whipped cream. Wow. I put in some sesame seeds to tie into like the smoky florality of Mm -hmm. the okra. Mm -hmm. I was experimenting with how do I best cook the okra to help it blend up nicely and pair with these light citrusy tones, and I'd never tasted okra before, I've never cooked with okra before, did some research and I tested um, doing a, like a flash fry in olive oil and then doing a slow roast in the oven, and the slow roast, it kind of like gave it a very smoky, intense flavor and made it a lot drier and chewier, yep. but The flash fry kept its florality, its lightness, its crispiness, so mm-hmm. I ended up going with that. Nice. Lemon for citrus, citric acid to help keep that pure green color, and it was just amazing. No, I, that I, sounds it was, perfect. Thing.
0: Yeah, no. And um you I mean uh flash frying it also I mean I would imagine it helps structure, right?
1: Yes, it definitely did. It kept that oh. crunchiness um yeah. instead of like getting really soggy yeah. or yeah. um or, like too crispy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. that was really nice when blended into the pesto. The texture held nicely with all that.
0: That's that's fantastic.
1: Thanks.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh were those the only ingredients you used in it?
1: Um, oh, no, I have okay. four more, four more. Of the other ones, um, I'll try to go over them fast. Cause no, like I can talk about it for a while. It's totally
0: fine. You know what? You talk about it in, in the way that, uh, is meaningful to you. And that's the main okay. thing I want you to, yeah. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Just, yeah, go.
1: So I did these two other dishes that kind of played off of each other for the background. I did a, um, deconstructed sweet potato pie with a Biscoff and basil crumb. Nice. Um, and then I did a miso tahini black chocolate yam puree. But of course, yam isn't actually the yam that we get in America isn't actually yams because yams are in Africa and they're giant and they're hairy and they're really cool. Yep. But, the, but the confusion started when um, the slaves were first brought over. Um, sweet potatoes reminded them of the taste of yams. So mm-hmm. they started calling it yams. And that's where all this. Confusion sparked. So I went to the store and I got a sweet potato labeled sweet potato and a sweet potato labeled yam, and I used <laughs> them both. Nice and good work. Really cool Yeah. Um the black chocolate is actually a really cool ingredient I found is this really intense chocolate powder that's pitch black mm-hmm. for shaking. I was playing around with it. It was super intense though, so I actually ended up using a blend of half black cocoa powder normal cocoa powder to get that dark shade for the outline i needed without sacrificing like too much flavor
0: okay so let me ask you this um because you're you're, everything you're explaining is in a very uh, a pureed form so were you using these purees on a paintbrush or how were you how were you creating the design
1: so I took a tempered glass cutting board and I laid it over a giant print I got okay. of one of the Marilyn Monroe silk screens. Yep. Then I actually went in with a piping bag and did tiny little lightly spaced dots to mirror this.
0: See, I knew the answer to that. I just wanted everybody else to know that because what she's saying she did is she piped in dots to make um, this this beautiful portrait. So just wanted to make sure everybody understood like the technical ability that was happening there on top of the patience and the understanding that like each dot represents something in this yes. painting. And so that, that, that right there, you're showing what, what you're doing. You're showing so much respect. It, much. Would, it, right, it would be super easy just to use a paintbrush and paint it. Right. Like, you know, but what you're doing is you're taking the time to actually like, really like it's almost like if somebody took a picture and over pixelated it and then t- and then looked at every dot and saw how that created this beautiful portrait so keep on yeah. going I, I i love it, it give me goosebumps so <laughs> i just i like hearing about thank this. you yeah
1: I think this is definitely one of the coolest creations I've ever made. Like yeah. I couldn't believe like all of, like my thought process, like kind of like colliding with each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was, it was really an awesome experience. And then once I had the idea, I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I knew I just had to see it complete.
0: That's great. <clears throat> so um, there was something that your dad told me about the color and how you got the colors and what you did not use in the colors. I want you to talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, I didn't use any artificial um, ingredients, any food dyes at all to get the colors. I purely used natural colors you see in food. Like this next one I'm going to talk about is probably a prime example of that. It was a beetroot red velvet cake cream cheese. So I got that red-pink hue by using blended beetroot. And it actually gave it this, this subtle acidity and earthiness that really elevated it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I chose red velvet cake is because it is a common um, choice that people eat on Juneteenth because um, the color red represents all of like the bloodshed and violence and suppression the African-American community has faced and how strong they've become because of it.
0: Correct. I really, I mean, uh, to, uh, I, to, to put in words, what you just said is impressive at, at, a, at, a, at a certain level, but to take that and to show it in, in art and then with food, like <laughs> how did your mind just not explode when this happened? Cause uh, mine just did. <laughs>
1: I got so excited. I was pacing the house for literally three. I was like, how do I make this work? What's my timeline? Where do I find all the ingredients?
0: Right. Ah! Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine the, the hectic and, and stressed and pressure and, and all that, that, those feelings that were happening. Like, um, but oh, like you, you know, you've mentioned 100, percent worth it.
1: Yes. And,
0: yes. And it shows, it shows in the art, it shows in what you did and, you know, the final creation and all that. Um, Okay. Keep going. Is there There's there's more to talk about, correct?
1: There's one more ingredient um, that I used, and I think that you're going to find this one really cool. Okay. So remember um, Carolina Gold Rice? Yes. So Carolina Gold <laughs> Rice, for those of you who don't know, is this absolutely – it's this really cool historical rice that originated from – africa and it was actually brought over with the slaves and the unfortunate thing was i mean it sparked well this isn't unfortunate but it sparked the american appetite for rice it was the most it was the first and most popular yep. rice during its time and but what happened is since it blew up in popularity um it fueled the slave trade because they need to pull more individuals from the um, west african rice belt that knew how to grow this grow this crop mm-hmm. um, but once slavery was abolished and everyone was let go, the plantation owners didn't know how to properly cultivate it, so the rice went completely extinct in the U.S. And wow. actually, as I'm doing additional research, also in Africa, you can't find this rice in Africa anymore. Really? But, no, you can't. I didn't know that. I wasn't able to figure out why, but it's it's just like it's completely gone in Africa. Okay. But um. During the 80s, this guy um, started researching how to cultivate it. And mm-hmm. he reached out to, I'm not exactly sure, but something along the lines of like the U.S. Agricultural Committee. committee okay. And they had 40 pounds of dried seeds in storage. So they sent <laughs> over five pounds and he was able to start cultivating it. And I was able to find it on Amazon. So I went in with a um, Carolina Gold Rice Pudding Puree. Oh, man for the teeth and the eye and the pupil. So it was like only like five, <laughs> six dots in total, but I mean, it was it, I just had to do it cuz like it, it's like the most cool historical piece in the whole thing, I think.
0: Yeah, that um you're right. And the kind of I don't want to say irony, but the really cool part about what you did was you used the like one of the most rare um products to make the eyes and the pupils and, and, you know, in my, you know, I don't know. My personal feeling is the eyes are, are, are the most beautiful part of a person. Right. And they tell, they they. tell a story and the fact that you, you took the most, I'm going to say most important ingredient because it, because of the story that you just told us and the backstory of it, but you took that and you made the most important part of the, the, uh, painting, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I i'm, no, I'm, I'm speechless about, right? I'm i didn't even
1: realize that until just now and that's the beauty of this piece there's yeah. so many layers that i think i'm going to be discovering more about it for yeah. the rest of my life yeah
0: yeah that's it's really neat
1: so much like <clears> with history and food and culture and like in like a current society like I'm going to be brainstorming forever on this one.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's it's definitely something um, that is going to continue to blossom. And you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, okay, that made sense. I mean, well done. Great job. Thank
1: you. It,
0: that's fantastic. And, um, you know, is there, I guess... My next question, is there anywhere where people that may be listening to this could see this? Is it, is it up on anything? Is it posted? Are you holding off? Are you putting it into any like competitions? Like what, kind of what's your next, next step with it?
1: I'm not exactly sure because I didn't realize – I didn't know it was going to be as cool as it was was done. Totally. I do – I'm going to set up an Instagram account for all my food stuff soon now that I – some time of a break. Yeah. And I'll probably end up posting it there for anybody who wants to go take a look. Awesome. I'll um, I'll send you the handle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's – and that's cool because I've actually had um, a handful of people reach out and be like, I want to see – you know, I want to see your food does she have an Instagram? And I was like, no, she doesn't have an Instagram, but like I go, if you, I, I'll get pictures if you want to see food and I'll send it to you. But you know, I want to make sure it's good with her. But if you're going to start an Instagram, I think that would be perfect. And, uh, that, it's just a good way to get, uh, you know, your pictures of your food out. Yeah. Because what you're doing is just so incredible. And it, it almost, to me, I'm like, it, it, I'm, I'm living in this world where I'm hearing you talk about this. Uh, and, you know, at your age right now, like, I can't wait to see where you, what you've discovered three years, five years, 10 years from now. Like, it's really incredible. And I was telling your dad this last night, like it's, there's, there's something about what you are doing with food right now that is inspiring. Um, there's, it's infectious And like you and I are talking through a phone right now. Like, but I, I get done with our podcast and I'm like, I walk inside and I look at Alana and I'm like, I want, I want to cook right now. (laughs) Like I'm inspired. And so, um, thank you for that because, uh, I think anybody who listens to this podcast and has a love for anything, food, you know, sports or whatever it is that they do, like your, um, your drive and your intent is just it's it's absolutely inspiring, so thank you for what you're doing.
1: thank you so much too. that means a lot coming from you yeah, I, I mean
0: appreciate
1: it. I just love sharing how beautiful food can be with everybody because is it's held to such importance in society but like can often be dismissed at the same time yeah
0: and yeah. it's
1: like food gets me so excited and I just love to share that excitement
0: well that and that's a that's a really good uh it's a really good way of putting it. Is that it excites you um, and and keep that excitement. And if you ever feel like you didn't, you don't have that excitement, come back and listen to this podcast because you'll get that excitement again. Um, But (laughs) that yeah, and it leads us into uh, a conversation I had with uh, somebody today about about cooking with intent, right? And uh, cooking with like everything we do, you know, everything you did with that painting. Like that, everything was very intent. You had, you had, or intentful. You had, um, you know, you did the research. You, you found the right products. You, you paired the right products with the right part of the painting. And so you had a full-on intent. Now, the conversation I had today was with somebody who was making chicken soup. And the chicken soup broke. And so, and I'm like, okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's reverse engineer this. You know, why'd you do, why'd you do this with the chicken? Well, I don't know. I, I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Well, why did you do this? Um, <clears throat> did you know? Did you let your let your roux develop? Well, I put flour in it, but I thought that's all I was supposed to do. So we have got into this really um, really good conversation about like well, every step that you take to make anything that you're making a recipe, um, a, a bowl of cereal, everything has intent, and. The more we, cut, we cook with intent, the uh, the better it's going to taste, the more balanced it's going to be, um, but that is also where you hear the thing, uh, you know, I cook with love, right? That's because you're putting intent into um, this recipe and what you're doing, and so by hearing this art project that you did, you just had, you had so much intent, and I think that, that those two things really work well together and, and it shows um, that you, you have this love for it because, I mean, who else is going to do the research for that, right? It's, it would be, it would be um, I, I'm not going to even say it, it wouldn't be easy this way, but it would be easier than what you did if you just went out and, and, and uh, found a portrait and then just kind of like did some things with it. But I, I really enjoy that you took the time. Um, to do the research, and you you, cook, you cooked with intent in this situation, and it uh, it is it's, gonna, it's coming out in full for you know full force, and it's just great. So <laughs> um, I can't take I can't talk more about it, but I think um, cooking it with intent is is something that everybody should do, even down to the basic level, even down you know at at any level of cooking. Like look at a recipe. Ask yourself why does why do the, why do they want me to cook the potatoes like that, and then f- do the research and find out because there's a reason you know for every step in a recipe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I
1: totally agree with that. Like cooking it with intent is so important, and I never really thought of it in the terms of cooking with intent. Yeah. But you cook in layers, and there's reasons you do things. Mm-hmm. And- I cook and with a, what, whenever I have an audience, I try to point out the reasons I'm doing things because that knowledge is so powerful. Yeah. Like when I first started cooking, like in the very beginning, I didn't understand why you put meat in a pan when you're cooking it in a single layer with space. Right. And I mean, so that way it doesn't like release too much moisture and like boil and not get browned properly. I always have bring chicken for like the first six months. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we all did, don't worry. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. But, but
1: like, you, you do things in layers to develop flavor, to develop texture. And there's so many little tiny things that little reasons we do certain things I'm still learning. And with cooking with intent, like, there's tons of methods. And it's just as you learn all of these different, like, like tools Mm -hmm. and put them in your arsenal
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i mean you'll never stop (laughs) sorry my brain just broke
0: (laughs) no no that's okay and what i what you're saying here is exactly what i'm thinking in my head which is you know cooking has a we have a technique when we cook and each product has its own technique and the technique comes from trying to extract specific flavors and textures right and so like like you said with the chicken let's talk about that because you know, the whole point of cooking the chicken in the pot that you're going to make the chicken soup in is to get what's called fond and fond is, uh, the, the particles and the fat that come off of that chicken when you're cooking it. And it's the stuff that sticks on the bottom of the, of the pan. Right. And, you know, growing up, not being very um un, you know uneducated in in cooking i didn't know what that was, like I was like oh i 'm burning it, um, but no that's that is like that is gold, right, so that's you cook your chicken and, yeah that's the flavor exactly so you you get your chicken you know to a certain t- i would say I would get my chicken to about one forty five and then I would take it out of that pot, and i'll explain that but And then that fond is there. And then you put your oil and your vegetables in, and you take your spoon and you scrape that fond off. And where does that fond go? Onto the vegetables. And so you have just seasoned your vegetables, creating another layer of of flavor. Okay, so you got two layers of flavor going on right here. Then I'm gonna take uh, like a tablespoon of flour. And I'm going to take my tablespoon of flour and I'm going to coat the vegetables. And what I'm trying to do by doing that is create a texture. Because I want this like, I want my vegetables to look like they're sitting in almost like wet sand. Okay. And then I take about, uh, I'm, I'm not going to act like I measure the wine because I don't. I, I do like a four <laughs> second pour on the wine. And then it, what it does is it's, it creates this roux. Because you got your fat in there already, you got your your uh, your flour, and now you got your liquid source, and it creates this roux, and the roux is now seasoned. <laughs> it's got your vegetables in it, and then all you have to do is put your chicken back in, put your stock in, boil it down, and you're going to have the most amazing tasting soup. And that's yeah, to me, um, soup is one of the most uh, f- like homey comfort like you know because we all grow in, we all grew up eating you know soup when we were sick right and so what that did was create a feeling of of comfort so me i think of soup i think of comfort and it's not hard to make it right but you if you follow and the steps aka cooking with intent then you're going to create this beautiful thing and it doesn't take um you know a uh, a uh, Culinaryian, or you know, uh, you don't need a degree to be able to do that. You just need to understand the steps, do the research, and cook with intent. Like that's yeah. all I mean. Yeah.
1: Having mindfulness while cooking is very powerful because you're paying attention to the world. Time kind of stops, and you're looking at the texture. How does it look? How does it smell? What does it taste like? Yep. And exactly. Once you have that down, I mean, it just completely changes the way you
0: cook. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Now, you had sent me uh, a couple articles. Actually, it was about four articles of this really cool topic that um, I love because I love uh, building an experience around food. And this has everything to do with the experience of food, which is um, how color uh, affects our appetite or how color affects the way we see food, how color can affect um, if we're hungry or not. If we're happy, like colors, the what we see, the vision of what we see and how it transfers into what we're tasting. I mean, it's a phenomenon. I I can't tell you the science because I don't quite understand it. And, you know, I read the articles that you wrote or that you sent me and, and uh, I did a little bit of my own research, but I didn't find uh, a pinpoint like scientific fact on why that is. Were you able to find anything on that?
1: Um, not exactly, but yeah. you know, all the senses are connected. Our eyes inform our other senses um, very heavily. Yes, I feel like the eyes are one of the biggest gateways. I mean, it, in to like our mind, basically. If yeah, it's sense. it's the
0: source of information, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> I mean, we believe our eyes over our other senses.
0: Yeah. So, and and you've all, everybody's heard the term uh, "we eat with our eyes," right? it's it's absolutely true a hundred percent um you eat with your eyes first because you put you know if i'm doing uh let's let's just say steak right if i'm putting doing a filet mignon and i'm putting that in front of you um a a, one that i mangled and then one that i cooked properly and i i you know set up the vegetables properly i have a nice sauce on it it's on a, a white colored plate it's sitting with a specific colored fork and napkin versus this one over here that I just threw on a plate and put on the table. And, you know, maybe you got some forks, napkins or whatever. There is a huge difference on whether I'm going to eat or I'm going to look at it and judge it like bottom line. Um, we're going to want to eat what's pretty. I, that's that's maybe a bad way of putting it. We're going to want to eat what's um, appealing to our eyes. Yeah. That's the best way to put it in that.
1: When food looks visually appealing, it creates more of an experience, yeah. more of a memory that sticks out in the brain.
0: Right, right. And they were talking like the, so each color like represented an emotion. And that was really, um, that, that was really getting my brain like moving in really different areas. Because like in my position at work, I I, I have a heavy hand in the marketing because I do a lot of, I you know i 'm the stylist for our food photographer, so I do all the food styling, and we 're constantly like you know going back and forth with okay let's let's try this background, okay, I want you to hold you know this um, this orange cardboard piece over here to see if we can get some reflection onto the pizza or what you know or whatever we 're taking a picture of, but um you know we're manipulate we're using colors to manipulate the food in order to market it in a certain way. Now, let me ask you a question because this is one of the first things that came to mind when, when they started talking about uh, the color red and how that is like invigorating and energizing and it makes us, makes us hungry and it makes us want something. And then it moved to the color orange and that was making us happy. And I'm thinking in my head, like, how many fast food restaurants do I know that have the colors red and orange just bled through their marketing? Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, like every single one. Yeah, it's What I thought was really interesting is how the color of food and food marketing correlated with almost color theory that you use in painting to a degree. Like all of your warm colors are appetite-stimulating. Yep. Um, and all of your cool colors are appetite-suppressants. But then here we have green and green can go either way oh, except with painting it's the same thing depending on its undertone and the colors it's surrounded with it can either be a cool or a warm color yeah. and depending on the way it's presented in the ingredients used um it can be um, an appetite suppressant or stimulant also
0: yeah That, uh, that's a real, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the old, I'm going to use McDonald's as, as kind of a case thing here and say like when I remember going in there as a kid and like the seats were, were red, the walls were yellow, you know, the floor was like this kind of creamish color and um, there was something that was in one of the articles that talked about blue and how that was actually a, a suppressant. And then I start going through my mind. I'm like, where do I know blue? And it, then, it, then it said it, the next line, it was like, oh, you know, most coffee shops have blue, a lot of blue tones to it or most fine dining. And, and we all know in a fine dining restaurant, the portions are not, you know, we're, we're having an experience with food. We're not going there to, to feel full, right? We're going yeah. there to feel full as, in a big picture. So like our stomachs may not, you know, we're not, yeah, fine dining. You're just not getting the big portions, right? You're getting the little yeah. pieces. And, and we hear people, I hear people talk about it all the time. Like, I'm not going to go there. They, their portions are tiny and they're using tweezers. Well, hold on <laughs> because there's an experience that they're creating on that plate. But it's not just the plate. It's the walls. It's the napkins. It's the table. It's what the, what the waitresses and waiters are, are wearing, Right. It's the music, if there is any. There you go. It's the music, and I talk about music a lot when I when I'm hosting um, different food events. Music is such an important part, and I'm not going. We're not going to go down that road quite yet. Maybe that'll be next podcast oh, yeah. on what music does to food. But music is a very important part. But it, it 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 sets the tone. But what is the first thing that people will see are the colors, and. I don't know. To me, it's just like it's so um, it's really fascinating uh, how 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 us as humans and how we process things. Right. Like, yeah, like you were saying, our eyes are like they're our main source of information. So it goes through the eyes first. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever done a blind tasting before?
1: I haven't, but now that you said it, I definitely should.
0: You should try it. And I want you to like, you know, maybe with like your sister or your mom or dad or somebody like have them make two things the same way, put a blindfold on, and I want you to taste both of them. And I want you to see, you know, really, really pay attention to how, how everything's going and, and what you're tasting and, and where it's, where it's sitting on your palate and then take the blindfold off. And taste it again and see what, where the difference is, because it's a really neat experience. Um, you know, some, some things are going to be a little more subtle than the other, obviously, but, um, that's where the palate you start developing palates is where when you're blindfolded and you're tasting these nuances, then you compare and contrast to when you're seeing it, you're like, okay, there's some consistency overlapping here with, uh, with flavor and with texture and so now I'm starting to see where that hits on my tongue, like where where am I tasting the acidic? Like there's one thing that will happen when I when I when I'm tasting something, like I'm I'm doing a couple different things with my mouth, but I'm I'm seeing where it hits first and where it finishes, you know, um, because every everything, everything sits a little bit different on your tongue, and if I can get a good starting point on where it hits and a good finishing point, that's telling me that they're they balanced uh, They balanced their ingredients to create a, a f- harmonious flavor that makes sense yeah, but if it's like if it 's really one toned, then your mouth will like you know you 'll get to just the stuff in the back of the cheeks or you'll, yeah. you'll only taste the sweet on the tip of your tongue um, but there's if once you start once that palate starts developing you'll really understand like where things need to hit in order to feel balanced.
1: That's really interesting. I never thought about that way, but like the best food is when your mouth goes through a little journey. Like you can feel like the transition of different flavors and layers. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about like that, but I'm definitely going to start paying more attention now.
0: Yeah. Go and look up, um, you know, the tongue is a really fascinating part of our body because of, you know first of all, the amount of taste buds that are on it are just incredible you'll you'll I, I don't even remember the number I just remember it was just like mind blowing um but the the fact that it it has different zones and areas on where it tastes certain flavors and certain parts uh pieces of food like it it's it's really fascinating so you know i mean obviously in your research you'll you'll figure it out but um go just look at Google, do a quick Google search. If, if you're listening to this, like it's really fascinating to, to see. And, and then, I mean, we go down this for, for a long time, but like, then you interject air and when you interject air to it, so you take a bite of something and breathe in. And so what that does is that shoots it up to your nose. Oh yeah. And I don't and know about is- you, but when you were I, like, when you're not trying to taste something, I don't know, when I was really young, my mom would be like, plug your nose if you didn't want to taste the medicine. Try, I mean, think about it. When you plug your nose and try to taste something, you can't taste it very well.
1: When so, you're sick, like and congested.
0: Exactly.
1: Oh, nothing as sad as that because I can't taste anything. Oh, oh it's, my God. it's
0: the worst. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chef's worst fear. Yeah,
0: right? Never go out to eat when you're sick. It's a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Um, so, wow. the Okay. So this has been a fantastic podcast where he, we just hit 40 minutes. Um, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, Sarah, when can I get you on the mic again? I'm going to put you on the spot right here. <laughs>
1: um, probably I, a couple of weeks from now, maybe like, yeah, next thos, two those days from now would probably be bestest.
0: Okay. I'm going to write that down. Once I find my pin here, I'm going to write that down and, uh, mark that in my calendar just so I have it. Okay. Um, but man, we, we need to continue this conversation. Maybe next time we move into the idea of, um, ambiance and music and how that affects our experience because it does. And you know, what we can do is keep on moving through here and really build an experience for the listeners. You know, we started with color. Now let's move on to music. And then we can move on to lighting, um, table setting, you know, different positioning of different products and pieces. So there's a whole, I mean, there, there's a roadmap on how to do it and, you know, and you see restaurants doing it a lot. So let's, uh, let's build our own experience. I think that'd be fun.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: Cool. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Sarah, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for your ambition and your just, um, love for food because I can't say it enough. And I told your dad this like a thousand times last night. I was like, she's so darn like inspiring. So thank you for that. Because um, w- once, you, once you get a certain time in this industry, you, you kind of, you start to see a dark side of it. And and to be able to uh, have conversations with you is just invigorating. And, and it, really, it really, I really appreciate it. So thank you.
1: And thanks. Thank you for inviting me on and like teaching me so much and just talking to me about food. It's been such an amazing experience, and I can't wait for the next episode. I
0: know, me too. I'm excited too. So, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, and remember, uh, food is love. And we'll talk to you.